It's wonderful that so many of you have stepped up and registered to partner in future multifamily opportunities together. We follow a very strict vetting process when selecting our operating partners, and all of which have a serious track record, at least five years of experience, at least 2,500 doors that they've actually managed and owned, and over $250,000 of assets under management. These kind of guidelines help make sure that we are investing together in some phenomenal, phenomenal deals. And you can learn more by registering at the investormindset.com slash invest. These institutional style investments bring benefits to busy professionals and real estate entrepreneurs looking to reduce their taxes and increase their returns. And you can join us by getting started at the investormindset.com slash invest. I look forward to seeing you on the next deal. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Getting things done. How do we accomplish more of the things we want to accomplish while living a stress-free life? In today's episode, we dive in with the famous David Allen, who is the author of the book, Getting Things Done, and is one of the leaders in the space of understanding how to live more productively, how to get more of the things done that we actually want to in our life and our business, and has made an impact on millions and millions of people's lives with his teachings. We're going to get into how to use this strategy the way David thinks and some of his philosophy in this episode. You're not going to want to miss it. And we all know David because of his best-selling book, Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, which has been published in 30 languages, and the GTD method has impacted millions and millions of people's lives. David's 35 years of experience as a management consultant and executive coach has earned him the title of personal productivity guru by Fast Company and one of America's top five executive coaches by Forbes magazine. The American Management Association has raked him as a top 10 business leader. And so you can see David has made a huge impact in the world, being named in Forbes, Fast Company, the American Management Association. You know, David and his company and his partners are dedicated to teaching people how to stay relaxed and productive in a fast-paced world. And so I am super grateful to have him here. David, are you ready to dive into things? Oh, why not, Stephen? Sure. All right. So why don't we start out by taking a look back earlier in your life? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Oh, I think from early on, I discovered what I love to do was to make people laugh and to do things that improve people's lives and they felt better after being engaged with it. And that's happened since I was a little kid. I was an actor as a kid and where I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. I then became a student teacher in college. I then got involved in, uh, you know, sort of studying people who's, who had successful lives. I was a historic history major in college, then pretty much went on a track for myself to find my own enlightenment instead of just studying people who had theirs. So discovered that at least for me, academia was not a place to, to find that. So I dropped out of graduate school and went on a deep and intense personal growth journey. 
trying to figure out who I was. So going back all the way until the point that you were a kid, you actually had this, you know, obsession with studying people. Is that kind of what you're saying? Not really studying people, but in assisting people. So, you know, how could I, I discovered that uh, making people laugh was a nice way to improve people's lives. So, you know, as a, as a very young kid, the two th- I didn't want to be a policeman or a fireman. I wanted to be either a comedian or a horticulturist because I loved growing plants and flowers. And uh, I loved to, you know, watch people sort of get healed in a way I couldn't have described it that way. But I loved, you know, having people laugh around me. You know, people's pain and that were in pain uh, was painful to me. So you know, anything I could do to help relieve that, help relieve it for me. It's it's incredible when you think about it like that, David, because from what I've known about what you do out in the world, you're relieving pain every single day when people learn how to think more productively, how to get all of this stuff out of their head that they've got going and put it into some kind of organized system so that they can actually live and and be able to focus on the things that matter most. Not only their work, of course, but the 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 things that really matter most in life, like spending time with family and friends, but being in the moment, being able to actually be present. Yeah, being present. And I couldn't have described that when I was a kid, but certainly now and looking back in retrospect over the last 30, 35 years, discovering for myself first how valuable being present was just as a very practical thing. You know, in the martial arts, you know, I I trained and got a black belt in karate back in my 20s. And in the, the high levels of training, a lot of it has to do with sort of meditative kind of practices. There may be a spiritual component, but there's certainly a practical component. I mean, if four people surprise you, jump you in a dark alley, you do not want 2,000 unprocessed emails hanging around your head. <laughs> so you, you need to be nice and clear. So the whole idea about being clear was, was attractive and important to me, discovered techniques for myself so I could remain clear as my life got more professional, more complex. I turned around and then, you know, after my, you know, I started my own small little consulting and coaching practice back in the, in the early 1980s, discovered the techniques that worked for me worked exactly for my clients the same way. So more control, more focus, more space to think about meaningful things in your head. So to your point, there was a, a, a kind of a, a cognitive mindset or a, a way to think about things that you didn't have to totally transform yourself. You could just redirect yourself to think in a certain way. Because I also, I'm the laziest guy you ever met, Stephen. So that's why I came up with getting things done was as a way to make sure you get to clear space as quickly and easily as you can. And Because it's the most practical way to operate in your life. It's the best way, place from which to cook spaghetti or tuck your kids into at night or write a business plan or whatever it is that you're trying to focus on. Well, it's it's amazing because when people hear about learning about time management or productivity, they kind of feel bored about it right off the bat because they're like, I don't need to be more productive. I just need to get my work done. But at the core, what this is really about is it's it's about how can you be more effective in everything that you're doing? And like when I first learned this system, I was a little bit overwhelmed. I thought, well, there's so many steps to it that it seemed confusing at first, but only once I actually took a moment to reflect and understand how to apply it in my own life, did I realize that it actually allowed me to do 
most of the things that I wanted. And so at the, at the end of the day, isn't that what people want? Like to be able to cook spaghetti with a clear mind, to be able to, you know, enjoy time with family and to be able to get the work done that needs to get done and only do the work that is most important. Well, if you know what you're doing, efficiency is your only improvement opportunity and style. I mean, you know, if I'm trying to walk out of the room, I'm always figuring out what's the easiest way to get out of the room. And I may not take that route. I might want to go boogie around and do, you know, style and do some other things, but at least being aware of uh, how can I use the least amount of energy to produce the most amount of result, which is really what productivity is about, or at least improving productivity. Everybody's already productive, Stephen. Everybody's producing exactly what they're getting. When people say, I want to be more productive, what they're talking about is I want to be able to get done what I'm getting done with less effort, or given the effort that I'm putting in, I'd like to produce more results. Either way, either one of those is an improvement in productivity. So I just figured, oh, what the heck? And I have to admit, uh, you know, my apologies, I've never had any traditional or formal education in time management, business, or psychology. All of my stuff that I found up that I wound up, you know, discovering and uncovering and formulating all came from street smarts. And it all came from lots of experience with myself first and then working that model with a lot of other people. And that street, that street smart is clear because like this stuff works. It works for almost anybody who uses it once they actually learn just a couple key principles. But I've got a quote here and it's one of my favorite quotes from you. And uh, it's your mind is for having ideas, not holding them. I'm curious, like, what does this mean to you? Well, I discovered in the martial arts and my own meditative and spiritual practices, you know, 35, 40 years ago that, uh, you know, having a clear head is, is makes anything you're doing a whole lot richer and more effective and efficient. So it, it, it's really about, stopping stop using your head as your office most people are, are trying to manage a whole lot of stuff in their head and i discovered 35 years ago again on the street just for myself personally and then working with lots of people since then that your head's just a really crappy office and now the last 10 or 15 years you know anybody any of the cognitive scientists that have been studying how the brain works basically have just validated that you know, the new the, the new data is that your mind can ba basically hold about four things. You know? And as soon as you have more than four things, you're kind of trying to keep track of or prioritize or manage the relationship between you're going to sub-optimize your cognitive process. You're not going to be as smart as you could be. You're not going to be as quick as you could be. You're not going to be as present as you could be. So you've got to get those things out of your head. And there's a clear process to this. And for those people who don't know about GTD, you know, like I keep saying, it's really a way of thinking. And when you can get that way of thinking to start happening and you follow this process, things start being much simpler, you know, to organize your to do's and your priorities. But uh, David, will you tell us a little bit about this way of thinking sure. and kind of give us a little bit of an overview? Yeah. And Stephen, I didn't make this up. I recognized it. Everybody listening or watching to this at some point felt confused or overwhelmed at some point and sat down and made a list and felt better, felt more controlled, more focused about whatever it was. And so if anybody reverse engineered all that, they never keep anything in their head again. There's nothing changed in their world what, except what changed was how they are engaged with their world. So I just started to recognize what it is that we do that allows us to disengage with our world, but in an effective way. In other words, there's a lot of stuff you don't have to complete 
to get them off your mind, but you do have to capture them, clarify them, organize the results of that thinking in some trusted way. That gets it off your mind. Most people listening or watching this are probably not worried about or thinking about where they need to be two weeks from Wednesday at three o'clock in the afternoon. Why? They have a system. It's called a calendar. They've got the content in there that they or trust needs to be there, and they trust they have a behavior that will look at the content at the right time. Well, duh. Yeah. So anybody who, anybody who says you don't need to get stuff out of your head and create appropriate lists of things you need to be reminded of at the right time, you're kidding yourself. You know, they're intellectually dishonest. There's a five-step thing of the way we get control of any kind of a situation. You need to identify or capture the stuff that's got your attention in the situation. What's got my attention about my work, my life, my family, my, you know, the pandemic that's going on, whatever. What's on my mind about any of that? So you have to identify what those things are, write them down, get them out of your head, capture them some way. And then step two, you need to make some real clear decisions about what those things mean and what you're going to do about them, if anything. Are you actually going to do something about researching karate lessons for your kids? Are you actually going to do something about hiring a VP of marketing? Are you actually going to do something about getting a divorce or not? You know, what, are you, what, what's, what are you going to do about those things? So that's step two is clarify. Is it an actionable item, yes or no? If it's not, then you'd reference it, you trash it, or you just park it and incubate it in some place you'll see it later on. If it is something that's actionable, you need to decide what's the very next action you would need to take. You know, very specific next action. Is that an email to send? Is that a website to serve? Is that a conversation to have with your life partner? What, what, what's the next thing you would need to do if you were going to move the needle toward closure on whatever this thing is that has your attention? And if one action won't finish it, what's the project you need to keep track of until it's done? So determining whether it's trash, reference material, or incubate, or if it is an actionable item, what's the next action? And if one action won't finish it, what's the project? That's the thinking process. That's, that's really where the power of this model is. Right? So that's, I didn't make that up. I just recognized it. But those are five very different phases and very, very different practices each one of which has its own tools and its own best. Practice. Well, it's a natural process that we tend to go through. But a lot of times what I've noticed with myself and with clients and uh, other folks that I've worked with in the past is that sometimes we'll skip a step and then things really get off, right? If we capture, but we don't clarify, then I've got a list and I've got something on that list and I'm ready to go work on it, but I actually have no idea what I need to do. And then I, you know, we end up going into procrastination mode. We, you know, avoid it, whatever. And we don't actually start getting those things done. Sure. Huge problem. People fall off the wagon at any, any phase of those five phases. First of all, most people haven't really captured everything that has their attention. They're still walking around with a bunch of stuff banging around in their head. That's ten, that tends to distract them when they're trying to focus on anything. So that's the first thing that people miss is they don't capture everything. They don't get it out of their head. Second thing is, to your point, even if they get it out of their head, they've got a list of things that are still unclear about what to do about them. And then even if they've done that, <laughs> they don't have a trusted system to park reminder of the calls they need to make and the websites they need to surf and the stuff they need to do at their computer and you know stuff they need to talk to people about if they haven't got that in some trusted place they know they're going to see at the right time when they're in the right context. 
you know, they'll, they'll be off the wagon again. Yeah. And so for the listeners, I know you guys have all been through it where you started getting organized. You started to take action, started to follow a process like David's talking about. And then you missed a week and your list or your entry, your list of all the things that you've got to do kind of gets way out of whack. You've got to get back in there and reflect what's the most important thing to do. What's going to get me closer to my goals? How should I go about getting these things done? it's so important. And once you get, once you skip that review for a a week or two weeks, all of a sudden now it feels overwhelming and it's difficult to get back on track. And you know, what's counterintuitive, Stephen, about this, this model, and I understand it is that, is that in order to have to really be present with the most important stuff, you need to be really present with the less than important stuff. Otherwise it'll start to take more room than it deserves. As soon as you thought I need cat food pops into your head twice, that just means you're inappropriately engaged with your cat, right? <laughs> if, you, if you got a cat, you want to keep your cat, and you don't want the cat to jump on your face at three o'clock in the morning and you know, say, God, I'm hungry, I need food, then you need to handle that. If you don't, then cat food will take up more psychic space than it deserves. So you need to be equally accountable for anything that pops into your head so that you can be accountable to yourself, to your point, to focus on the most important stuff. But that's why a lot of the world and a lot of people are feeling stressed. It's not so much that people are overwhelmed. I mean, one of the things I've sort of re-understood in the last two or three years, overwhelm is not really the big issue. The overwhelm happens when your building catches on fire, Mm -hmm. right? You're feeling overwhelmed with the stuff you've got to do to survive, to get out of the building and to save the stuff you need to save, et cetera. But you handle that. The biggest problem is what I refer to now as ambient anxiety, the cat food that you haven't handled, the conversation with your life partner that you're avoiding that you know you need to have. So the in in summary here, like the the big step, we got to sit down, we've got to capture all of the things out of our head in totality, right? I highly recommend you go out and get the book, Getting Things Done, so you can get the full system. But just from a high level, we got to write everything down. We've got to capture it on paper. Anything that's related to our personal life and our business life, all of these thoughts into one place, we've got to go through those thoughts, clarify them, understand what is actionable, and then we've got to organize those into what are things that we're going to do, what are things that we're going to keep, what are things that we've got to take action on right now. And we've got to do all of this just so that we can get in the right mind state before we do anything. So what are some of the, what else would you want to add on to that for people so that they make sure that even if they were just going to go take action right now, that they can get these things out of their head so they can actually start making some progress from a place of, you know, calm centeredness and not having to feel all that stress and that ambient anxiety that you're talking about. Well, People often ask, how long does it take to get value out of this process? I say, well, how long would it take you to get these dumb little tools called pen and paper (laughs) and write down the top 10 things that are on your mind right now that have your attention? I need to set up my home office. I need to make sure that I'm I'm set up with my family and my kids right now in terms of how we're doing their schooling. I need to make sure all that. Just write down 10 things, the top 10, the first 10 things on your mind. And then go through each one of those and say, What's my next step on that? What do I need to do? And actually write those down. Oh, I need to email Joe about that. Ah, I need to talk to my son about whether he wants to do X, Y, and Z. Ah, I need to order this on the web so that we have, 
Just make the next action decisions about all of them. Watch how that feels. How long would that take? Yeah, about three minutes. Right. So you're not going to take you long to experience the value and, and people automatically never had anybody. That's why I know this works is nobody's ever done that and not felt more controlled, more focused. Yeah. It's, it's so much simpler than people think and they get overwhelmed because they just don't want to do it because they've got so many things in their head. They've always been doing it like that. But, you know, just like you said, write 10 things down, see if it works. I bet you're going to feel better. And then if, if you do feel better, Hey, maybe you want to take a whole day to get everything out of your head and get your life organized. So you can really take some, some action in the right direction. So we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but your answers definitely don't need to be. So tell me, David, how would you define success and what is success to you? Success means, you know, achieving or accomplishing desired outcomes. If you go to a party to boogie and you don't boogie, it's an unsuccessful party. <laughs> you go on a vacation to relax, you don't relax, that's unsuccessful. To your point, you know, early on, Stephen, where you said productivity has actually got a lot of baggage as a word because most people think about work and sweat and harder and oh my God. Mm-hmm. But productivity simply means accomplishing what you're trying to. If you want to be happy tonight and you're not happy, that's unproductive evening. You know, if you want to have fun at dinner and you don't have fun at dinner, come on. You know, that's So success would be, Gee, I want to have fun at dinner. And you'd have to have fun at dinner. Yay. You know, good job. You know? I mean, that sounds like the good life to me. Well, sure. Just most, and, and most people think about productivity. They usually, they think about it usually for in material success in a way, more money, more clients, more, you know, whatever. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine too. However, success also is what experience are you after? Why do you want more money? I want to feel more freedom. Well, what could you do today that could make you feel freer? Mm. Oh, wow. And suddenly you could do some meditation or you go do go for a run or you uh, uh, decide to sit down and spend some quality time with your kids that you've been avoiding. You know? And you suddenly feel freer than, hey, dude, success. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to be any big thing. You do, but you do have to define what it is you're after. You've got to clarify. <laughs> you've got to clarify what you're after. I say it doesn't happen by itself. I think there's a part of us, you know, I work on a hypothesis that we have a higher self. There's a part of us that knows why we're on the planet, what we're really about, what we're supposed to be doing. And it loves us. It, 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 it takes care of us whenever uh, it actually becomes a good guide for you. If you're willing to listen, you know, stop the world and listen to that inner voice, that still small voice inside. So, you know, people aren't stupid. They're, they're, they're a bit numb. And so, as soon as you kind of wake up a little bit, you can start to pay attention to the intuitive voices or voice that you need to pay attention to. And, you know, it's never going to hurt you. Wow. That's, that's amazing advice. That's really incredible. Well, that's uh, maybe that doesn't work for everybody. That's worked for me. You know, at some point I was agonizing about what I was going to, what I wanted to do with my life. Cause there were just so many things. And I had so much, so many things like, Oh yeah, but is this the really the right spiritual thing to do in terms of my, why I'm on the planet and what it's like, yada, yada, yada. At some point, you know, I think I was driving along a freeway in Marin County in California. And suddenly the, this, you know, blinding, what I call a BFO, the blinding flash of the obvious sort of hit me in the face and said, gee, David, you don't have to worry about where you're going and what, what you need to be doing. All you need to do is to handle what's in front of you with elegance and as much completion as you can, because you've created so much, not only in this life, but in many others, that the thing will automatically emerge once you get, once you finish what's in front of you. 
And I've never looked back since then. Wow. So David, what are some of your keystone habits, the things you do on a daily or weekly basis that have led to you living the good life? Here's my in-basket. It's empty. (laughs) I learned that 35 years ago and never stopped. And that is I keep my backlog zeroed out on a 24 to 48 hour basis because I discovered that if you don't do that, any new thing and surprise or new inputs are first, first of all, you're, you're not, you're not sensitive enough to hear the new input if it's internal. And secondly, you're going to be disturbed if it's coming externally, you're getting emails you didn't expect people walking in and giving things you didn't expect. And so, you know, I learned, you know, years ago that when I'm not doing anything else, I am cleaning up because there's a surprise coming toward me and an opportunity coming toward me that I can't see. And when that thing happens, I want to have as clear and clean a deck as possible to be able to then make smart decisions about how to engage with it and what to do. So that's, I have to think about whether that's, I'd say the main one, that's certainly one of the main ones in my life in terms of a behavior or a habit or a practice that I do continually. Yeah, getting super absolutely clear, clearing off all the stuff out of your mind. Uh, I, I, can, I can see that. Well, you know, it, it, let me back it up a little bit, Stephen. I mean, the, to me, the two most important things that we're here on the planet to experience are completion and creation. We need to finish what we put in motion. You need to be accountable and responsible for the things that you, that you do put in motion, whether that's now or previous lifetimes or however you might want to believe any of that. But it's being able to recognize what are the things I need to finish, complete, handle, and deal with that I've already put my attention and my energy into. See, I don't care about your email. You do. So you have your own ecosystem that's, 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 that's incorporated stuff that you need to deal with. I've got mine too. So I need to be accountable to those things and manage the things that I've allowed come into my world. Right? So that's the completion aspect of it. And then once I'm clear, once I got an empty end basket, what do I now do? What do I do with that? Cause I can't stop creating. You can't stop focusing. You can't stop that as long as you're conscious. You're still focusing whatever you're focused on. You're still focusing on that and you're reinforcing that, whatever that is. So then I need to be accountable for where I'm now putting my creative energy so I don't create a bunch of stuff that I don't want to have to complete. It's a philosophy I've never heard before, but I absolutely love it. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. What's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now? Oh, gee, you know, I just finished one that was quite... Uh, wonderful to read. This is uh, Jeff Sutherland's book, Scrum, you know, basically the art of doing twice the work in half the time. And very much similar to how I sort of developed GTD, Jeff talks about the development of the Scrum process. Basically, he was a jet fighter you know, in Vietnam, uh, uh, pilot, and, and a lot of what he discovered is the way people work just doesn't work. There's a whole lot of wasted time. There's a whole lot of wasted energy. There's a whole lot of wasted stuff. And so he talks about the, the Scrum model. I've heard about Scrum and Agile and all that for, for years. And uh, a lot of that and the awareness of that started at the same time GTD was published in 2001. So it's fascinating to read Jeff's book. It's a, it's a, it's a great read, for, especially for people who are trying to do anything with teams in any kind of an organization at all, small or big, doesn't matter. So I highly recommend that. Uh, another great book was quite inspiring. A guy who's now a friend. Uh, one of the top cognitive scientists, cognitive researchers in the world, a guy named Daniel Levitin. He's head of cognitive science research at McGill University. 
successful aging. So if you're over 50, no, you have to engage with somebody who's over 50 or think you're going to live over 50. This is a, an absolute must read. That's amazing. I'll definitely have to check those out. The I'm a certified scrum master and product owner and use that to manage teams for quite a few years before I moved into the real estate space. And just kind of realizing that there's a system and a way of kind of dealing with things um, to get things done between a large group of people is really valuable. I mean, that that is kind of it's just a system and a way of thinking for managing a team versus managing your own mindset. His point, very similar to GTD, is you don't need to change the person, just change the system, change the process. But you're going to do that probably by implementing processes where you don't have to change yourself that much. Just change the system that you're involved in. That's such a big idea. So we've got two left here before we wrap up. Inspiration, what impacts have mentors made on your life and how do you look at going out and finding great mentors? I found mentors just because I was, you know, usually scrambling and trying to find something to handle something I didn't know how to handle and looking around for somebody who seems to have handled it. So, you know, probably my, my biggest mentor in my life was a, my spiritual coach, a guy named John Roger. You know, he's not on the planet anymore, but I ran across him in the end of 1971. And based upon experiences I had had that I didn't understand, that it caused me to sort of derail my life. Uh, because of my lack of understanding of it and finding somebody who understood it, you know, much better than me and was, you know, a little further down the road than me. So I would figured I'd hang out with JR, as we called him John Roger, until I ran to the end of whatever he could teach me, but I never found an end. So, you know, I hung out with him for 50 years, you know, learning that. Uh, a guy named Russell Bishop I met um, in terms of doing personal growth trainings, um, you know, in the 1978, 79 early eighties, you know, when personal growth stuff was kind of hot, mm -hmm. you know, the S actualizations, life spring yeah. kind of things. And <laughs> we started insight seminars then. And that was very inspiring to me to, to watch in just five days, how people could truly change their lives you know, by a greater understanding of who they were and, and just all that good personal growth stuff. And, uh, you know, so Russell was a great mentor to me to show me, you know, that you could do that. So, I, you know, I follow along in his footsteps there. And then when I started my own consulting practice, a guy named Dean Acheson, I, whom I attribute in the book, taught me about getting stuff out of your head and deciding next actions about things. And I, you know, I got to hang out with Dean for, you know, a couple of years. As I started my own consulting practice, he had a great model. I said, wow, that's what I was after, was some really good model that I, I could use and, and to train with. So, you know, I'm not looking for any mentors now, but boy, if they showed up, I'd, I'd probably take advantage of them. But I think it usually mentors show it's, it's kind of like the, the, the teacher shows up when the student's ready, you know, and the student shows up when the teacher's ready. And it kind of works both ways. I love that. And finishing on this purpose, what drives you to live your best life every day? Well, our purpose, at least career wise and professional wise, is to create a world where there are no problems, only projects. So you know, that will, if I make a dent, that's inspiring. Well, this has been amazing, David. Thank you so much for sharing these strategies with the audience today. Where can people find out more about GTD or get in touch? Yeah, well, our website, gettingthingsdone.com has got a pretty good overview of, you know, this methodology and all of our network of people around the world that are delivering these trainings and this, and, and this coaching around this stuff. So, and there's a free newsletter you can sign up for there. Is that. And the, the books, you know, the, if, they're, if you're brand new to this, to your point, 
the, the book getting things done might be a little daunting. I just put everything in there. So it's really a manual of, you know, what I learned in 25 or 30 years. Um, but we just published, uh, we just published a getting things done workbook, which actually takes sort of one of the 10 steps that if you really want to go implement this right away, go do that. So that would be probably a good starting point for a lot of people. Uh, if they're not familiar with this stuff already. If you've already read the book and gone, oh God, I should have been doing that. Yeah, right. Well, read it again, you know, or take some time and, you know, come back to the, come get back on the wagon. No better time to start again than now, you guys. And so uh, I'll leave you guys as I always leave you to live a life worth inspiring others. And you can do so today by applying some of David's techniques and strategies by going out and getting the book and applying this within your life so that you can start living a life with a clearer mind and actually getting things done. So thanks so much, David. It's the work that you've been doing is amazing. You've made an impact on my life and I know that you've made an impact on millions of others. So thank you so much. Thanks, Stephen. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.